So how's everyone doing? Good? Good. Hey, I want to just, uh, before I kick off, introduce myself. My name's Jake. I'm the privilege of serving as a young adult pastor here at Res Life for the past six years. If you're new or newer, I'm so glad you're here. I pray that God would use this ministry in our group, not just me, but our group, to spur you on to love Jesus even more. Amen? Amen. So we're in a series on dating and relationships called Starting Over, Rethinking Singleness and Dating. And I am pumped about this series. And before I jump into what I want to talk about tonight, at the end of the night, I'm going to be giving away some books. I'm going to be giving away this book called Captivating. It's for ladies. So if you want that, just be ready to jump up here and grab it from the other lady that might be running after it too. This is called Wild at Heart. This is for the men. Men, we're going to do an arm muscling contest. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. And then this is called True Love Dates. So great. These two are more about our hearts as men and women and how to prepare ourselves for a relationship and marriage. And this book is about the nitty gritty and how to do relationships in dating God's way. This book is like top notch. Seriously, like top notch. And I have some more books, some different books that I'm going to give away next week. And then as well as some recommendations next week for some podcasts that y'all should listen to in order to rethink dating and singleness God's way. So the reason we call this starting over is because what culture in Hollywood has given us as it relates to dating is complete garbage. Everyone say garbage. garbage. It's literally worthless. So the dating and, and relationship narrative that we've been sold is all about me. It is all about the individual, my likes. I like them tall, dark, and handsome. I like them blonde. I like them a little curvy. I like them a little skinny. It's like it's all about my preferences, and I like an Enneagram 7. And I, you, you know, it's like I have this perfect guy or gal that I have created in my mind, and I'm on this search to find this person who also will be compatible with my personality and will love every one of my flaws. Like, we have this unrealistic, even if we are more realistic, the culture sends us this unrealistic message of what dating and relationships and marriage is all about. And it's a really difficult time to be a single person. It's a really difficult time, let's just say, to be a young adult who's in the dating game for many reasons. But it's difficult and as we think about rethinking dating and marriage, we have to get our focus on Jesus because it's not just about cleaning up the old way, but about starting over and getting a brand new way. And I remember this journey for me I shared last week. It's my wife and I, Abby, we've been married for over six years. We have two kids now. And we started dating. We were dating. And let me tell you this. This is how uh, our dating went, right? Maybe you resonate. I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you how broken I was, but how even in the midst of being in a relationship, you can rethink it. So I was single in college, talking to probably six girls at once throughout. Like I would be like texting this girl, and then I'd be messaging this girl, and then I would stop messaging this girl, and then I would go and talk to that girl, and then I would get my eye on that girl, and they're all in different arenas. And I just, I, I wasn't committed to any of them. I wasn't even I wasn't making out with them. I wasn't doing anything. I just liked the attention. And then my wife was one of those people. So I was talking to multiple girls at the same time, and then I was talking to my wife, Abby, and then I was like, you know what? I kind of like her more than I like the other girls. So I was like, I'm going to ask her out. 
And so I share that to say, I was not in the right mindset when I asked my wife out when we were dating. I I was not in the right headspace. But in the middle of our dating process, I got born again. I called myself a Christian, but I was not, I was like not born again. I looked like the world, I smelled like the world, and I was not a born again Christian. I got saved and I, and I started hearing about this message of dying to self. And I was like, I was made for this message. Or better yet, this message was made for me. That I, my life is not about me, but it is about me dying to my desires in order that I might fully love God and love people with no strings attached. Everyone say no strings. No strings attached. And this message hit my heart, which was not a message about dating. It was a message about life. But when I got this message that I was supposed to die to myself and live unto God and to love others with no strings attached, it affected my relationship with my then-girlfriend. And I realized, oh my gosh, I was dating her for all the wrong reasons. But now I get to rethink and start over and start loving her for all the right reasons. In the middle, and good thing I did, listen to this, in the middle of of us dating, Right, like my wife is like smoking hot, okay? She is like, she is smoking hot, and I love my wife so much. But in the middle of us dating, she got an autoimmune disease called, called hyperthyroidism. It caused her to gain a bunch of weight, it caused inflammation in her face, and it totally transformed. It, it was just like, it was a really difficult time for my wife because she no longer looked anything like she looked when we first started dating. But good thing that I was born again and I learned the message of starting over. Because my heart, even though we were dating, my heart was committed to who she was, not to what she looked like. And I knew that my love for her needed, even when we were dating, to be beyond what she could do for me and needed to be established in a sacrificial love unto her, but more importantly, unto God. Can I get an amen? So in the middle of this thing, my girlfriend, who, who, who is so beautiful, all, start, all of a sudden starts to look different. But I got a message for you, friends. It's a, it, was a, it was a good lesson that I learned. And she went to the doctor and got things handled out. And my wife has been on a health journey ever since then. And my wife is still so beautiful. I'm like the luckiest man on earth. But there was a process she had to go through to get, uh, go to the doctors and figure out what was wrong so that she could start looking what she would say like she looks. But in the middle of that, I got a a revelation or an understanding that one day I will be 82 years old, and my wife will be 82. She'll be 83. She's a year older than me. And we will be old and wrinkly. And what she looks like will matter zero at that point. Yes, I'll still find her beautiful, but as we get older, our looks fade. The things that th- we think matter as a 19, 20, 22, 23-year-old, the things that we think matter don't matter. Now, is it important to be attracted? You, yes, you go find someone that you are attracted to and that you love, but that has to be like third tier of importance when we're looking for uh, someone to marry, amen? And what the Lord graced me with, and I'm, I, it's not me, it's all God, is he taught me how to die to myself and to look for characteristics in a spouse that are beyond what they look like or how much money they make. And my, my inspiration or my message to us tonight as we continue to talk about dating, relationships, and marriage and rethinking this is to give us some practical tips and how to prepare, whether we're in a relationship for marriage or how to prepare if we're single 
for a relationship. And I'll preface this by saying that not everyone's called to be in a relationship. Some are called to celibacy, and we cannot worship marriage or relationships, but we must, if we have a desire, take that unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. Gosh, I went straight deep, didn't I? Y'all are like, gosh, I thought we were going to laugh a little bit. We'll, we'll laugh later, okay? Don't worry. So this is kind of a collection of thoughts that I have, and it doesn't all, like, it's not all linear. It's not all going to, like, connect to one another. They're more random thoughts, and I gave you a sheet of paper to help you follow along if you wanted to follow along. There's, oh, I'm supposed to do that. Kimmy, you didn't remind me. Where's Kimmy? Where are my pens? Can you go get them? People are like, you gave me paper with a blank, and there's no pens to write with. Kimmy's going to write. Uh, can, can I come up here and give us some pens? Okay, talk to your neighbor about your, uh, whether you're a Michigan or Michigan State fan. Ready, go. Or you don't care. Actually, Kimmy, 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 come bring it up here. If you want a pen, come up here and get one. If you want a pen, come up here and get one. It's going to be right up here. Grab one for a friend if you need to. You know, I'm 29, I'm a dad, so sometimes I have to catch myself to, to not make a fool of myself and, like, tell dad jokes. No, I was just going to be like, you get a pen, and you get, I'll be like, that's such, like, a dad thing to do. It's just, like, not a funny joke. I'm glad I caught myself, but then I still said it anyway, so. I, no. Chuck Norris is so strong that when he does push-ups, he doesn't push himself up, he pushes the world down. Boom! This is, you put pressure on me. I, I got so many, I just can't think of them right now. Okay, I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to go on? Okay, let's do this thing. So the first point that I have, there, there's these principles that I have for preparation. So the preparation process happens to those even if you are married, even if you're single, or if you're in a relationship, or if you never even want to get married, these, these, these uh, principles can apply to you. So the first one, the first principle of preparation that I want to share with you is uh, humility. James 4, 6 says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Listen, y'all, if we're going to date well, that have a dating experience that honors God and honors other people, we have to learn humility. Some of us have learned to take pride in our pride. And we have, we have refused to learn from others, and we have tried to make it on our own, figure, out, figure it out on our own, and we've refused to humble ourselves underneath God and underneath other people who can help us through life to honor Jesus and honor others. Humility is essential if we're going to prepare for marriage. It means I don't know it all. It says, I need help. 
It says, I need to include others in my process. I, I way too often see people operate in pride when it comes to singleness, dating, and relationships. That they think that this, because the Bible never directly talks about dating, that they don't need to go to God or to godly wisdom in the process because other people don't know your situation. Or you got it handled. Listen, we got to start over from the beginning and be humble and recognize that everything that we've been given, every piece of, of wisdom that we have as it relates to dating and finding someone that we relate to in, in the process of relationships, every single thing that we the instinctually know is garbage. Like, it's just garbage. Like, like, like everything, and I could go into detail, I'm just going to say, we have to be humble to start over. Second thing, in preparation, we have to develop our values. Develop our values. So this is like where you've got to put some work in. And this is humility. Most people, so I'm, I'm, I, I say this not, with, not happy about it, most of you will not do the work it takes to have a healthy relationship. Most of you, I shared these values last year and some of you were in the room. Some of you did not do this. And I'm telling you it again. Why didn't you do it? I don't have time. I don't got time to do it. I don't got time for this. No, listen, you got plenty of time. You got too much pride. You think you don't need this. That's why you don't do it. Listen, if you want to do it God's way, you got to rethink. Write it down. Make it plain. Develop your values. So there's three areas of values that I think we need to establish that are very practical. We call them the green, yellow, and red values. So green values. These are a set of values that every person, every Christ follower should develop as they're pursuing. If they have a desire for marriage, they should pursue. Traits you desire in a partner. You should, we should write these down. Make them plain. So here are some things that, in, that are included in the green list of our values. Now, these are not all, this is not comprehensive. You can go to the Lord in prayer and write down things that you desire in a partner. Uh, Christian, strong relationship with Jesus, challenges me to be a better Christian, serves others, has a reputation of integrity, has positive friendships, similar values and morals. Those are just some examples of positive traits that we should have that are non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. You notice what's not on there? Tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> Curvy body. <laughs> you notice what's not on there is looks. Looks are important, but they should not be the determining factor of who we're going to spend the rest of our life with. We have to be deeper than that. I've, I've seen it, I literally cannot tell you how many times I've seen it where, a, where a, a, a Christian who is moving towards God in maturity decides to date someone who's pretty or handsome, who does not have a strong relationship with Jesus, and they date them for their looks, and I watch this person who's growing drop. 
It's because they, they, they had their values upside down. So let's go to the yellow list. Yellow list is traits I would rather my partner not have or I would need to explore. These are like the caution, the yellow lights. Caution. Write these down. Now, you might have your own list, but write some of these down. You show the list. Sexual history. Maybe, maybe you're a virgin and you're like, I, you know, it's not that I wouldn't date anyone who's had sex before, but I would need to explore it further, right? And maybe you just need to process that with the Lord. Maybe that's a value that you have. Or what's another one? We have family origin issues. Now, you should never judge someone based on their family, but often how they relate to their family can sometimes give you a picture of how they'll relate to you. Make sense? So family origin issues. If they got issues with their dad or their mom, so if you're a girl and, and your boyfriend has issues with his mom and he treats his mom with disrespect, there's a good chance that he's going to treat you with disrespect because you, that his mom is the closest woman in his life and you'll eventually be the closest woman in his life or vice versa, the other way around too. So unhealthy habits or issues. Lacking of involvement in the church. Big yellow, yellow sign. Caution. No, I don't need the church. Okay, why? If you're very involved and have a high value for growing in Christ, and the person you're dating seems indifferent about church, that is, a, that is caution. But he's a great guy. Or Oh, she loves God. She's just busy because she's working on the weekends. Listen, I understand that people have lives. But our life shows our priorities. If they can't go on a Sunday, are they going midweek? If they're not going Sunday, are they going to young adults on Thursday? Are they showing it as a priority in their life, even if they have conflict in their schedule? Does that make sense? So, bad reputation among peers. My close family and friends do not approve. Has no discipline or vision. These are just things, examples. You can develop these on your own. And the reason I'm, I'm sharing these is because I want you to start thinking deeper than the surface when it comes to who we're dating. We need, we, we need to get a vision for it because if we want to please God in our relationships, we have to rethink everything, renew our minds in order to honor God. So the red list, this is a list that you should create on your own. I'll say it again. Traits I would never allow myself to settle for in a partner. Traits I would never the reason you got to write these down, friends, is because once you meet the guy who can sweep you off your feet or you meet the gal of your dreams and you start dating her and you're having a blast and you're having so much fun and amazing dates and the chemistry is just like, like it's just amazing. Like once you meet that person and then you start making excuses for these red flags. If you write them down, and better yet, if you write them down and share them with one of your 242, if you write them down and share them with one of your strong Christian friends, they can help you stay away from danger. So here are some of the examples. Addictive behaviors, abusiveness, uncontrolled temper, patterns of betrayal, not a Christian, pressures you sexually, does not respect authority. These are some examples. So, I want to share this statistic with you. As we're looking for people to date, as we're looking for future partners in order to love and lay ourselves, our lives down for, we have to think. 
And, and I want to challenge you with this statistic. According to Arizona Christian University, 66% of people in America claim to be Christian. So I gave you that green list, right? That's like Christian. Only 6% of those 66, the 66% of Christians, only 6% of them have a biblical worldview. So what does that mean? Just because someone says they're a Christian does not mean that they are a Christian. Just because someone goes to church does not mean that you have similar values and vision for your life. Here are some ways to test if someone has a biblical worldview. Do they believe and live as if the Bible is the inspired word of God? I'll say that again. Do they believe and live as if? See, catch that. They have to believe it, verbalize it, and they also have to live as if, meaning that they have to actively read the Bible, submit themselves to the Bible, and yield to the authority of the Bible. Believes that the Bible is the inspired word of God and lives as if it is. Another identifier of if somebody holds a biblical worldview is their views of sex and sexuality. It is, the, it is the easiest tell in our culture of whether someone holds a biblical worldview because the historical biblical worldview on sex and sexuality is that God-ordained marriage is between one man and one woman for life. That is the bi- historical biblical Christian value for marriage. If somebody does not hold that value, it means that they are not submitted to the scriptures, which means that they do not have a biblical worldview, which means that when pressure is put on them by culture, they will fold to culture. They may claim to be a Christian. They may claim to love Jesus. They may love and be generous to so many people. But friends, warning, warning, warning. If we are not submitted to the authority of Scripture, then eventually our faith, we are built on sand. And so when you're looking for a partner, don't look if they're, if they're a Christian. We look if they have a biblical worldview. Here's the, the last statistic there. is only 2% of 18 to 29-year-olds. So of the 66%, only 2% of them have a biblical Christian worldview. You're like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get married? Yes, there's hope for you, okay? I'm not trying to scare you. There's hope for us. Just look in this room. I'm kidding. It says this in 2 Corinthians 6. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with unlawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accords has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Basically saying, Christians, do not marry unbelieving people. Do not marry non-Christians. It's a command. All right. Next point, develop your boundaries. So we develop our values through our green list, yellow list, red list, and now we develop our boundaries. And this is what a boundary is. A boundary is is a predetermined decision that protects a predetermined value. So you develop your values of sex, you develop your values of the type of person you're looking for, and now you're creating boundaries, decisions, predetermined decisions that protect those values. And I'll just park on this. The main boundary that we need to decide beforehand to prepare for relationships and marriage is we need to prepare boundaries around sex. 
So these boundaries are not protecting us from something bad and icky, but rather, once we have a revelation of the purpose of sex, and if you weren't here for our Real Talk series in February uh, or in March, I'm going I'm to refer you to go listen to our messages on the purpose of sex. But once we have a revelation of the purpose of sex, it leads us to protect that purpose, not just to say no because it's a sin, although we should say no. It's protecting the beauty of sex that God designed for marriage. This is what it says in 2 Thessalonians 4. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Some of y'all are like, what's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for my life? Take a look. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. What is he saying here? He's saying, you see the Gentiles, they sleep around. They have oral sex. They, are, they have no boundaries. Christians, we should not look like the rest of the world. Now listen, we are sexual beings. We have sexual desires. Well-meaning Christians get put in situations and they don't have the self-control and so they have sex and then they get shamed about it and then they don't, they don't confess their sin and they feel condemnation from God even though he's not condemning them and they get stuck in a cycle of sexual sin in a cycle of brokenness and sinfulness because they were put in a situation where they might have compromised their original value or their original uh, standard for purity. We get stuck in the cycle. And so boundaries... And my, my, my message to, to those who have already had sex, maybe with multiple, multiple people, maybe you've gone farther than you wanted to, listen, purity is not about what you do, it is about who you follow. And Jesus says that he makes all things new, and that even though we were once in the lust of the flesh, and that we were giving ourselves over to our fleshly nature, once we come to Christ, it says he throws our sin in the sea of forgetfulness, so we need to stop viewing ourselves in that old person, view ourselves the way that God sees us. But we need to create boundaries, predetermined boundaries around sex. So, here is a bad example of a boundary. I will not have sex. You're like, Jake, that's a, that's a great boundary. I just want to have sex. Here's the problem. I know, I remember, that was only like eight years ago. I remember what it was like to be dating. And I remember what my little perverted mind does when I'm like, well, I don't want to have sex because the line's there, right? There's the line right there. I don't want to have sex. I'm like, where's that line? I'm going to try to get like as close to the line as I can. I'm like, scooch up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a little bit closer. You're going to get as close to that line. Well, I didn't have sex. I didn't have sex. I didn't have sex. I'm good, right? I'm good. Listen, friends, it is not about how, how it's, righteousness and purity is not about not crossing a line. It's about a heart before God. And it's like, God, it's not about me crossing, it's I want to be, I want to be pleasing in your sight. That's my, my desire. I don't want to fulfill the cravings of my flesh. I want to be pleasing in your sight. Does this make sense? So our boundaries, listen, our boundaries keep us far away from the line. So here's some bad, bad example. I won't have sex. Here's another bad example. No oral sex either. Here's some better examples. Are you ready for these? We will not 
be alone in a home. Listen, we, we, we make these boundaries before we're in the relationship. Because we're determining our values, right? We're, we're setting up boundaries to protect our values. Here's another one. We will not drive in a car alone after 9 p.m. I'm not saying you need these. I'm just giving you examples of what a healthy boundary looks like. Our clothes will always stay on. <laughs> That's a great boundary. Here's another one. We will not use the same blanket while watching movies. We will not watch movies or shows alone after 9 p.m. Okay, you don't need to make these. Some of y'all are like, I'm about to walk out right now. This guy is way too conservative for me. We can't have no fun in here. Listen, you can do your own, okay? I'm just a 29-year-old, okay? I know what it was like being dating, though. I know what it was like. And those blankets got me in trouble more than I can tell you, okay? I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect you. <laughs> Abby would be like, like this right now if she was here. She'd be like, Jake, shut up. Stop. So, next principle of preparation that I want to share with you. Confront masturbation and pornography. We got quiet in here. <laughs> Men and women. Statistics are foggy, but roughly four and five men have an addiction to pornography or are masturbating. And statistically, uh, two out of five women have an addiction to pornography or are currently masturbating. And I'm not saying that to shame anyone in this room. I'm saying it to say, listen, there is hope in Jesus. And if we want to prepare, we have to confront these issues before we get into a relationship. Because eventually they will come out. Confronting does not mean never struggling. Confronting our masturbation and pornography means that we need to come into the light. We have a Real Talk conference every year in February. But listen, if you need to confess sin to someone, come find me, come find a community leader. Like, if you need to get something off your chest into the light, come talk to us. Listen, we cannot live in darkness. Some of us are like, I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have a boyfriend, I'm single. And we're, all, we're all upset about being single, but yet we're not dealing with our own hearts. We're not dealing with our junk. We're not preparing ourselves to be the type of person, remember the aim, the aim of, of singleness and dating is to fully rely, I prepare myself to fully rely on God so that I can fully serve another. Listen, if we're stuck in pornography and masturbation in the middle of a relationship, you cannot fully serve another. I cannot fully serve my wife if I am objectifying women on my phone or on the internet or in person. I can't do it because my mind is perverted. And I'm not condemning anyone. What I am saying is run away from sexual immorality, run to the feet of Jesus, and allow him to restore you to purity over time. Confront. This is, I feel this very strongly. Some, there are some in the room that tonight is your night of the healing journey. Because you've thought when I get married, I won't struggle. I am telling you, and I can testify, and I'm being real with y'all tonight from personal experience, that just because you, I had that thought when I was dating, I'm talking to all y'all, I had the thought, once I get married, I'll never struggle again. Guess what? I got married, still struggled. Once I have sex, I'll never have a desire to look at another woman again. Not true. And if you stay in the darkness... Your sin will follow you into marriage and it will erode the trust and you will not have the relationship you think that you'll have. Kind of heavy tonight, but it's a good heavy. It's a good heavy. Here's this last point. I might not get to all these points. Holy moly, I'm taking way too long. Here's the last point. 
This is a good one. Intentionally honor your brothers and sisters in Christ. It says this in 1 Timothy 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as older brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters in all purity. So what Timothy is telling us, or what this book is telling us, this letter is telling us, is that we should view younger women or our peers, if women, you're supposed to view the men as sisters or brothers in all purity. If we're going to start doing this right, it means we have to stop endlessly flirting with multiple people at the same time. Okay? If, if we want to prepare for a relationship, we have to stop using other people based on our own insecurities. We got to stop. Some of y'all, somebody comes to access, somebody comes in your circle, they walk into your class at college, she's pretty, you walk up next to her, you find out her name, you follow her on Instagram, and it's like, boom, 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 message sent. It's like, what are you doing? You guys, what are we doing? We are Christians. We are different. Look at the opposite sex with all purity. Intentionally honor your brothers and sisters in Christ. Once we aim to view people the way that God sees them, we no longer get to live at the expense of them. So the pretty girl or the good-looking guy is not a potential partner for me initially. We have to crush that mindset. I can't tell you how many times I, listen, I saw some girls over in a corner, and I'm like walking by, and they're like, do you see that new guy walking in? Oh, he might be single. You know what I mean? It's like, as soon as the new dude walks into access, they're like all meeting up, and they're like, who's going to ask him out first? I'm like, what are we doing? Guys walking in, they're looking in, and it's just like, you're like, boop, boop. It's just like, in a, like boop. As soon as a new, a new pretty girl walks in, new girl walks in. It's like, listen, guys, I know we're human, but I'm calling us to the Jesus standard. I'm not calling us to the standard of guys will be guys, girls will be girls. I'm calling us to be different. I'm calling us that when people walk through those doors in the back of the ground floor, that they walk in and they don't, they don't, uh, they don't feel objectified and they don't feel pulled on. They feel honored and loved. And if we want to prepare our hearts for marriage, we need to start viewing our peers with purity and not objectively. I'm preaching hard right now because this is in our group. I'm preaching hard because there is a better way. We do not have to live at the expense of someone else. But we can live with purity if we go to Jesus and ask him to break our hearts for what breaks his, to see people the way he sees them, and to rethink it all. The problem is, is that we're just, we just think, oh, I don't have sex, and so therefore my mindset's okay. Or I'm not this or that. I com- we compare ourselves to the world and we say we're good enough. Don't ever compare yourself to the world. Compare yourself to that man, Jesus, and say... I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. He looked at that prostitute and he never once crossed his mind to sleep with that prostitute. The woman at the well, I've had five husbands. Some of us would have been like, man, I might have an opportunity. Jesus never once lived at the expense of another person. Never once. He only honored them. 
And some of, y'all, some of us are like, what does this have to do with dating and relationships and marriage? Listen, friends, the way to prepare our hearts for marriage is to prepare our hearts before God and to see our brothers and sisters in Christ the way that God sees them. You guys all right? I feel like this is kind of like a spanking night. Like I was giving a lot of spankings, you know? It's all right, though. Some of y'all need it. Some of y'all didn't get spanked as kids, and we can tell. I'm kidding. (laughs) Intentionally honor your brothers and sisters in Christ. You guys, I see a day where we can look across this and we can say, sister, sister, brother, brother. And even though we desire to meet people, listen, I want this to be a place. I want young adults on Thursday nights to be a place to where people meet, they date, and they get married. This is a great place to meet people. I'm not telling you not to date people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is that should not be the primary reason why we come, and we need to see people as sisters before we see them as potential spouse. We need to see them as brothers before we see them as a potential boyfriend. Does that make sense? We have to have purity in our hearts before God. And that means, you know what that means, guys? That means that when you hear a friend objectifying a woman or commenting on looks inappropriately, or you hear girls commenting on one guy, that means that it's your job to challenge and call them higher. It's your job to say, not in our group. Some of, some, of y'all, some of you girls have felt objectified at times, and it's saying, not in my church. Then when you hear a guy objectified, you come up and you say, not here. Go, go somewhere else and do that. Not here. That is your sister. We're too passive. We're too nice here. We don't want to hurt people's feelings at the expense people are objectified. Brothers, men, Listen, you have so much potential. You have, God has called you to be leaders. You are here for a reason, not just to sit in the seat and worship, but to create a culture here at Access. Men, I'm talking to you. To create an atmosphere of safety for all who walk into this place. That means when you hear other men talking about women inappropriately, or you hear them talking uh, in a way that does not fulfill our goal of honoring our sisters, then you step up and you say something like a godly man would. And if it's not in here, I hope you do that everywhere you go. That's why culture is eroding, is because men, I'm calling, like, y'all were made to be leaders. Y'all were made to set the atmosphere and the tone in a room, and you can do it. I give you permission not to be prideful and arrogant and confrontational, but to be godly. Please be godly. We need men to be godly and not to protect women because they can't protect themselves, but to be protectors of women and environments. But Jake, that's toxic masculinity. Listen, The world can call what I'm saying anything that they want. I am saying I don't care. I will call you, 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 and you to a higher level of godliness, even if the world crushes me. Even if the world says, even if the world cancels my YouTube video that I'm going to post from this message, I could care less. God has placed you men to be leaders 
protectors. And I'm saying, let's, let's start here. Don't fix the world's problems. Let's start on Thursday night with our group, with our community, and let's do it together. I believe in you. Amen? I'm, I got like 30 minutes of preaching left. There's no way I'm going to get through this. Ultimately, I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff, so don't worry about the back of the page. So I didn't even get through the front of the page. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> That's why I don't give you handouts, because I never get through my notes, guys, ever. <laughs> I want to I say this one last point. I'm, it was my main point last week. My aim is to fully rely on God so I can fully serve another. So we want to develop our values, develop our boundaries, confront our sexual sin, and intentionally honor brothers and sisters. How I want to end tonight is just with a, a challenge. Listen, I was telling my wife last week after the message, I was like, I don't like talking about dating. She was like, why? I was like, because I just feel like there's so many people in the room and there's so many different situations, and I can never say everything that I want to say, and I feel like I'm always leaving people like with, like I need to tell them more because there's so much as it relates to dating that we need to address as a culture. And how I want to end is by saying, listen, I can only say so much. Remember we talked about the first principle, humility? If, if you want to live God's best, you have to put in the work. You have to be humble. We have to approach God with sincerity and say, I want to do this your way. I want to relate to other people your way. I want to have sexual boundaries that honor you. I want to love other people the way you do. I want to see people the way you do. God, I want my life in my dating and relating life to completely honor you. And this is what, I, what my wife encouraged me with. He says, if you challenge them to go to God, you won't need to say everything. And that's my last challenge to you. Next week, I'm going to encourage every one of you here, get here next week. It's not a sermon. We are doing a night of prayer to seek the Lord in the areas where we have not trusted God with dating and marriage. And next week, it is going to be like off the chain. I can't promise you what's going to happen because it's not scripted. It is a night of, we're going to have stations and you're going to be able to go to God in prayer and deal with your heart before a loving, gracious, but truthful God. Get here next week. It'll be the best thing you could do the whole month of July. The best thing you could do this whole summer. Be here next week. Let's go to God. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? My last challenge to us is just in your mind, in your heart. I felt as though I was supposed to give someone the challenge to draw the line, to cross the line, and to make a commitment I'm not turning back. There's two people that I was supposed to tell that to. There's people in the room that have been holding on to their life. Maybe they grew up, maybe you grew up Christian Maybe you went to Christian school. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe your family is Christian, but you have never received salvation from Christ. You've heard about salvation. Maybe you even have family that have received salvation, but you have never received the free gift of salvation from Jesus. It's time to draw the line tonight and not turn back. I mentioned in the beginning that I had a revelation when I was about 19 or 20 that I had to die to myself in order to follow Jesus. And that's the call for some of you tonight who are still holding on to your life and have not given your life to Jesus. If you want to do that, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. You know who you are. In your mind right now, draw that line and picture yourself crossing it. Say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I am not turning back. I am not turning back. And just watch God meet you right now in a way that changes your mind and changes your heart. If, you made that, if you're making that decision right now in your mind and you drew that line and you crossed that line, your next step is getting baptized. To show, your, to, to show God that you're in, like you are in this for real. Baptism is submersion into water, and it represents you dying to yourself and rain it, uh, being raised into newness of life. If you want to get baptized and you're making that decision, come talk to me afterwards. So Heavenly Father, I just pray for that group. And I thank you for salvation that is only in Jesus, that can only be given from God, and that we have nothing to offer but our broken lives, God, and you bring us new life and salvation in Christ. The second group of people drawing the line, you have not done relationships God's way. You've done them culture's way. You've done them your own way. And tonight's just a, a challenge to draw a line and say from this day forward, I will, I will pursue relationships God's way. Not perfect. I'm pursuing. My pursuit is God's way in relationships. If you feel like you need to do that, imagine a line drawn, like drawn in this room and just imagine yourself walking over it. And say, I am not turning back. Draw that line. Don't turn back. Cross that line. That you'll commit before God. That you'll pursue relationships from this day forward, God's way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Confirm it. Confirm it, Holy Spirit. Have your way. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, Amen, guys. Amen.